This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Man Cave Command Center inside the Mellon Law Studio. And it's... Uh, Right on the button here, just a little bit after nine, kind of a bright sunny day in God's country, north central Florida here. And uh, we are looking forward to uh, keeping you uh, educated and also helping you uh, with some information that's not misinformation. So uh, that's the big key word these days is misinformation. So we'll talk about that a little bit day during the show. I want to thank the sponsors there, Style Cuts, who is the official uh, barber of the Ward Scott Files. He's right down there by Bill Pinner's shoes. Logical Chronicle is a good partner of ours. Uh, we uh, look out for each other and try to keep you informed. Crime Prevention is a loyal, loyal uh, sponsor of the show. Uh, John Pastore, Randy Elrad, uh, great people. Uh, Gary's Do Gators Dockside has been with us for a long, long time uh, and is a great place to uh, watch games. Uh, uh, many TVs, all that kind of business right there, uh, right there, really near the heart of town. Uh, Melden Law, of course, what can you say? Can't say enough about Jeff Melden, Jeffrey Melden, how he's involved in the community up one side and down the other on the spot cleaners, loyal, loyal people who uh, are great and uh, you need to patronize them. They have a couple of locations. Longtime friend, Lance Lunger, r, &R Construction, um, just a really... Uh, a good guy who was uh, somebody you ought to patronize if you need any help in any kind of your uh, construction needs, um, building needs, anything like that. Um, want to welcome in Way Stern who in Plantation Mark, Doug Whitaker's down in Mexico. Uh, get a video tour of uh, his place there pretty much daily now. Um, he says, um, um, I guess he's taking a pickleball, which is the old dude. He's been He's been operated on more times than I have. And, uh, you know, once upon a time, we played a lot of tennis together. And now he's graduated to pickleball, which I have not done yet. Um, I'm resisting holding out. Took me long enough to even start thinking about doubles tennis. Uh, that was something I resisted. Ken Hillier is a long time, buddy. I'm watching out of, uh, out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in that area. Carol Cannon's with us. Uh, so I just got to welcome everybody checking in as they all check in. Uh, we're going to talk about um, right off the bat here some things locally that are very inspirational and contrary to what the liberals would have you believe. You know, the, the liberals are all about um, um, doing something about the quotas and in terms of graduate, I mean, admissions and, uh, you know, playing the race card and admissions and all this stuff. It has nothing to do with education, really. Uh, it just gums up the works keeps things completely off the target. Meanwhile, the real work has been done all along by the community colleges who uh, have been uh, always 
uh, able to accommodate workforce needs. And now we've helped with DeSantis. Uh, we have got a real shot in the arm for workforce needs. Uh, we are, listen, I got to talk to you a little bit about the flood of Yankees coming to the state of Florida because we got a great governor. Um, been talking to my real estate friends. They cannot write contracts fast enough right now on housing. Uh, people are coming from northern climes, getting out of those heavy tax uh, uh, states that have questionable behaviors in government and uh, sort of um, liberal agendas at the expense of financial uh, expertise. And uh, uh, they come here. They must not know much about the city of Gainesville government. I think maybe in the fall that might change a little bit. But um, I got I got to tell you that uh, uh, right now people are coming to Florida because in spite of what you'll hear uh, the naysayers say and uh, even the people trying to, to run against him like Nikki Freed, Fried Frazzle, and the Cheetah Man with the orange skin. Um, you know, Chris. You know, the, you know, DeSantis is the is the real deal, and he put his money where his mouth is, if you will. Uh, and this is a perfect combination of, I think, of, of of components to make education work. First of all, it's a charter school. Uh, secondly, it's a charter school that's going to open at the college, Santa Fe College and also at other institutions throughout the state. This is gonna be duplicated or replicated. And here students will be able to do a lot of things that are so convenient to their needs. They're going to be able to get their high school diploma there, and then their associate of arts degree, and then their technical education. And um, it's going to be funded, not by a bogus thing like Biden, where it was packed, Biden, uh, where it was packed with, uh, pork and all the crap that he had in his Build Back America, um, Governor DeSantis has got a Building Florida's Future program, which is really focused on the actual things that the title would imply. Um, this is uh, announced at uh, Charles Perry's Construction Institute. Chuck Perry was a really good friend of mine. Uh, he helped us finance uh, and get started the uh, Biotech Center in uh, Alachua. Uh, he's always been a good buddy. Uh, he's passed. It's been taken over by some other fellows now who run the construction business that he started. Uh, but he is uh, uh, really been a, a, a positive influence in the community, and uh, uh, he was very much instrumental in behind the scenes. Sometimes, sometimes out in front. But uh, construction and technical and workforce trainings uh, are really the strength of the community college. And so, Sanders is. Uh, going to invest in and in for once the Gainesville sunset has done something right it's uh, stop focusing on the University of Florida which is a pretty phony institution it doesn't do much for anybody other than to patronize to its own ego if you will and try to claim it's the number four five one whatever uh, university in the world and it doesn't matter if you're not in, in helping the community in which you're residing um, but Santa Fe College helps the community in which it resides. Uh, yours truly is a professor emeritus from there. I was not the first wave of people hired at the college. I think I was the third uh, in 1969 and college started in 66. So I'm one of the last surviving guys at the beginning group. There's some others, but we're all, you know, getting over into the uh, immortality world. So um, here is uh, DeSantis. Uh, and I just want to go through some of the technical training options that this uh, effort will be uh, focused on. And I want you to understand that uh, 
of this is real education. This is not something about rating the college for the purposes of rating the football team or something like that. Uh, and uh, we, we, are, we have Paul Brody, who is a, a, a black president. We've always been open-minded and tolerant. It's so funny when uh, some of these people around here label me a racist when they don't know me. Because obviously, uh, as a Santa Fe College professor emeritus, I've taught everybody uh, from you, you, you name it. And, and uh, without any kind of bias at all towards them, except they had to work and study hard uh, to get to me to award the grade they earned. Um, and yet, you know, they, 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 the woke culture is trying to, uh, of course, always slap me with that reputation. And the cowardly business guys who won't step up and, and, and support uh, the show because they're afraid of their uh, profit and loss sign. Or they don't, they, so they'll get, they'll let them go, let them go their way. But uh, this is the real deal here. This is where the really good teaching occurs. So uh, what are we going to do here? Uh, we're going to try to place uh, people in jobs in the field, plumbing, electrical jobs, uh, things of this nature. But there's even more now to what uh, can happen with uh, technical education. You have uh, uh, a lot of different types of technical education that have to be taken care of. There is information technology training programs, which is, of course, uh, a, a godsend for young people who want to go into that and get excellent technological training and learn cybersecurity. That will be part of the, quote, workforce community, uh, just as, as much as uh, uh, elect electricians or uh, uh, other uh, uh, of the trades will be. So, and we'll have apprentice program, apprenticeship programs, which are tremendously important. Uh, entrepreneur partnership programs. Now, this is a real, uh, as I say, this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, it is a, a $3.5 billion investment in career and technical education. And it, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's all part of the state effort and it's being led by DeSantis. And I want to tell you, this, this guy understands how to get it done uh, when you start doing these kinds of things. Workforce training. Um, I've got a lot of friends who went through Santa Fe who now run air conditioning. Um, I always try to patronize them who came through Santa Fe's uh, police academy training comes through uh, Santa Fe. Um, there's just every kind of aspect of, of real, if you will, work where you, you, you need uh, uh, the plumber or you need uh, the police or you need something that actually uh, is not abstract, but actually concrete and drives up in a real truck and then drives up in a real car, um, uh, you know, is coming out of these workforce programs. So we're going to uh, uh, make a curriculum that meets business needs here. Uh, this has been in the works for a long time. When I was the Senate president, uh, I made sure that the technical teachers uh, were involved in the faculty Senate. Um, that they uh, that you know it was just all not about people over there teaching the humanities and uh, teaching the chemistry and all that uh, for transfer degrees into higher institutions as good you know that's obviously needed but I also included as much as I could the people who are teaching the trades and the technical jobs we're an integrated society uh, and, and we're a diverse society that's the true meaning of integration and diversity and inclusion is when you include the workforce needs along with the academic uh, world, 
uh, uh, they blend and, and are side by side in the same institution. To me, that's real diversity and inclusion. Uh, I wish we had more of this type of thinking uh, in the K through 12 right now with the race card being played by these racists on the school board. Uh, it's not helping things at all. That conversation needs to be put by the, by the side of the road. As I've said before, if you want to end racism, stop talking about it. Thomas Sowell has said that. Jason Riley has said that. Uh, but, you know, it still serves a purpose for the Bidens and the Kamala Harris's and the NAACP and that crowd, Evelyn Fox, whom I know well. I wish she'd hang up, but she doesn't have anything else to do. That's her calling. That's her need. That's what she does. So she's there to grind that grist and keep that wheel going. Um, we really need a community forum. Uh, I've tried to advocate this to a certain extent. I use this show for that. Um, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. But, um, uh, you know, we need a kind of a place where free of political interference, we can sit down and uh, talk about uh, what's going on in the community. Uh, once upon a time at the college, we structured a committee like that, which I was on along with some other people as diverse as Naquanda Kwa, who is uh, uh, way over on the, in her mind, not mine, way over on the other end of the, of the table from me. Um, and she's very political and very racist, in my opinion, sees everything through that prism. Um, that's not interesting at all. That won't help get anything done. But we had a, a citizen initiative committee here. And, uh, that I created, helped create with other people cooperating with it uh, years ago as an offshoot of the, uh, the, the Santa Fe College uh, involvement in the community. Uh, it takes somebody to create that. I enjoyed that. We had, we had a lot done. Um, so um, this is, uh, 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 you know, very, very, very significant thing for us to think about. And the reason I want to push it is because it is uh, it doesn't pit people against each other, as the column says, uh, based on race. This is just, listen, uh, if you can do the job, if you can show up to work on time, if you have the skills, we don't care what what color you are. We just want our air conditioner to run when you leave. Uh, we want our plumbing not to leak when you leave. We want our computers to be uh, cleaned up and operational information technology to be understood and, 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 and distributed among of the society so they understand it. Um, this is not a fake narrative. Uh, this is not a, na a, nar a narrative to achieve a political goal. This is just a, 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 a uh, um, um, an effort by the governor and the education people he influences uh, to influence workforce programs. Um, I think you ought to maybe make a note if you can and drop the governor a note and applaud that effort. It's something that really, really uh, is helpful for our community. I just want to give you an update on uh, the uh, situation with um, uh, um, the Collier International Bunch. Um, we have the strangest kind of quote here we're going to show you uh, and uh, in a moment here that comes from Derry Lloyd, who is, uh, keep in mind, Brian Kramer, the uh, uh, current state attorney was a student of mine at the college. So uh, and I know his folks real well. Uh, his mother taught at the college as well. But I think uh, we're going to run here. On, uh, uh, if we're on the same page with production, we're going to run uh, some of the crazy, some of the strangest language that came out of Derry Lloyd during a Channel 20 interview. 
Um, so I'll have to wait until I see it pop up on my screen. Uh, a little bit behind, I understand from production, it's going to run. Attorney representing Daniel Drodos and Michael Riles as state attorney officials investigate the pair for multiple charges, including racketeering. Mr. Riles and Mr. Drodos have not committed any crimes. But the state attorney's office is charging the pair with racketeering, scheme to defraud, theft of trade secret, and offense against intellectual property. The pair's attorney says there's no evidence the agent stole trade secrets as both transitioned from Boss Hart Realty to Colliers International. Despite that, to this day, we have not been shown any particular documents that the allegation of a trade secret theft is based on. Or if we have seen it, it hasn't been identified that way. So we are still somewhat in the dark. The pair have filed a civil complaint against Boss Hart. No one with the company responded to our request for comment. The state attorney charges stem from a Gainesville police investigation starting in October 2018. You know, it's a long investigation. A GPD SWAT team raided Colliers International last year, naming Drodos and Riles as the two responsible for stealing trade secrets in early 2019. The investigation time period ends in June of 2020. Many uh, eyes have looked at the information, and these are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. So while they're saying, you know, right, it's still innocent to proven guilty, but that's why you have the investigation, that's why you have the prosecution, and we'll look forward to uh, reviewing everything and moving forward. The next hearing for the pair's civil complaint against Boss Hart is coming up in about two weeks on the 17th. Reporting in Gainesville, Ruel Flood. All right. Uh, thanks for taking a moment to listen to that. Thanks for running that for us, uh, production. Um, Professor Ward Scott, back here in the Manly Command Center, Warthog Man Cave, Melton Law Studio. So um, I, I was sent this by a member of the research team who uh, knew that I, uh, you know, I'm a professor of the language. And uh, just to give you some background, uh, the sheriff was one of my students and the state attorney was one of my students. So uh, each of them, I think, can probably write pretty well. But I, 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 I Derry Lloyd was never one of my students, so I don't, I'm not responsible for any of this language, but I am going to highlight for you some of the troublesome comments here and try, I can't decipher them. I, I'm, I don't know if any of you can, but here's what is said uh, by Derry Lloyd in this clip. Uh, Many eyes have looked at the information, and these are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. Now, surely he doesn't mean that these are allegations that are true before they've gone through due process. But that's what the language says, that he said. If he had said similar allegations have been proven in the court of law, even that, if that's what he indeed meant, uh, really doesn't make any sense. I, I don't even know if um, the production could clip that out and put it up on the screen. Um, this, this paragraph that I'm alluding to that you heard in the tape. Uh, but he, he's, going, he, he's going to work on that as I, as I go through it. Um, but Derry Lloyd said in this interview that many eyes have looked at the information and these are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. Hello, what? And then he goes on to say, 
So while they're saying it's still innocent until proven guilty, but that's why you have the investigation. Now that doesn't make any sense. The investigation is preliminary to the charge. So you're innocent until proven guilty, but you have to be charged before you can be tried. Now, unless you want to be tried in the court of public opinion, and then the newspapers try you, and they find guilt or innocence. And a good case is Chauvin. Chauvin was guilty by virtue of the newspaper coverage, media coverage, before he ever had a trial. And sometimes that's pretty much correlates, and sometimes it doesn't. The people in Georgia who killed a black fellow jogging were guilty before they ever had a trial. That was self-evident by the video taken by their buddy riding behind them. So it's, it, I don't know, he should have parsed this language perhaps a little more carefully. Um, so then he continues, I guess he's trying to work his way out of this. That's why you have the prosecution. And we'll look forward to reviewing everything and moving forward. I, you know, the state attorney's job has been, is finished. I mean, they reviewed, they deposed, they looked, and then they charged. And now it's turned over to the courts. And of course, the, the lawyer for the state attorney, which may or may, I doubt very much it would be Brian Kramer, um, because there's a lot of political baggage attached to this. Um, but you first saw the lawyer for representing Collier, Riles and Drotos, and this has been pointed out that there are no documents on which uh, that are transparently visible uh, to the public on which the charges are based. So I'm just offering to you um, that this is a strange confluence of information. Um, it is not your typical, or perhaps it is your typical way in which uh, the chief investigator for the uh, state attorney's office for the circuit eight district speaks, uh, but it doesn't do anything to clear up the situation. Um, I've been, I've received a lot of inquiries from people who were surprised that these people were uh, charged in the first place. So what that gives you is a little bit of a feeling for how uh, politically explosive this situation is. And there are villains and good guys in this that I'm not going to get into, but the villain is pretty much regarded as a villain. And you can figure out who the villain is by a lot of people in this community who have had business interactions. Um, the good guys, um, they're, you know, that's contrastingly, comparably, uh, uh, going on in the minds of people who are watching this from the bleachers. So uh, this is not going to simmer down. It's going to simmer up. The flames underneath this are going to go up because the missing component is this. And Channel 20, thank you for 
uh, allowing us to show that. And they're my good friends over there, uh, whom all of whom we know and work with and respect, um, uh, call it a white collar crime, a white collar crime, which is an interesting phrase. When is the last time a white collar crime had the SWAT team? Well, the heavy handedness of the, and so it gets associated with the political left. This is the way it's working out in the minds of the public and the people who've been calling me. And they compare it to the uh, crash of, I think it was Flinch, um, the guy who had uh, was dragged out under heavy, you know, in the middle of the night, if I recall correctly, by the heavily armed uh, militia, if you will, that came in. Um, that and, and Trump ended up pardoning, pardoning the guy. Uh, so the heavy hand, and this is just a political uh, uh, drama of this theater. We have political theater going on here. Trust me. Uh, the political theater is that the behavior of, of the SWAT is an indication of the liberal agenda. Uh, the conservative, so to speak, since he's a Republican, but yet it's yet to be seen, and people are watching him. Kramer would be uh, not a conservative, heavy-handed guy who would have sent the squat a, a SWAT. So he's got a tightrope to walk. Uh, he has to he has to um, uh, uh, figure out how to do his job and disassociate himself from the political hot potatoes in this. So there are a lot of questions about why aren't the documents there on which the charges are based? Why isn't there more candor coming forth? And why is there so much mumbling and stumbling? Now you see, we know uh, when someone can't speak clearly about something, either that person doesn't understand it or the person is covering up. You t listen, I know what I'm talking about, but you can check me out. But when a person is not able to speak clearly, one of two things is this is the case. Either the person doesn't understand it or the person is covering something up. So this behavior by Derry Lloyd, the chief investigator for the state attorney's office, Raise, has raised those types of questions already and have been sent to the Ward Scott files for you, the public, to know about and have me comment on. Now, I can tell you that if I ask you to explain how to put together, let me see if I can think of it, uh, how, to, how to wrap a, I'm just going to take something simple, how to put an overwrap on a tennis handle. Where do you begin? Well, to do that. Well, if you stumble and you don't, or you're not clear about it, you obviously don't understand it. I could tell you very directly and very succinctly how to put an overwrap on a tennis racket handle. And because that, the only reason I can do it is I have done it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So if you ask, in fact, people bring me their rackets to put the overwrap on it for them because of the way uh, uh, it does not slip in their hands 
one, I give it back to them and they use it in competition. Where did I learn it? I learned trial and error from wrapping my own tennis rackets. And I also learned about what wrap is better than and what wrap is inferior and what wrap is preferable. So you see, if I sat down and wanted to give you directions on how to wrap a, a, a tennis handle racket, you would hear very clearly without stumbling and mumbling, because I would not be covering up anything. I would not be trying to sell you a particular brand of, of racket, uh, which would be irrelevant. And you could take this test yourself and, and give it, you know, ask somebody to ask you to explain something or ask them to explain something. And you'll know right away that one of two things is the case. There may be a third case, but I can't think of it right off the top of my head. If there is, it comes to your mind. Please let me know. But that is where we are with this comment uh, by of uh, this in chief chief investigator for the state attorney's office. All it's done is raise more questions. How can the allegations already be proven in the court of law? And I, I guess we did not, we're not able to throw that quote up there and that's my bad, but um, uh, you, will, uh, you, you can hear it in the uh, tape. Let's run, the, let's run the interview production one more time and, and let people listen to it and after that, We'll come out of that and take our break. Is that all right, production? Okay, production's going to tell me he's in my ear uh, when we've got it ready to restart. Okay. Production's going to tell me when it's running because I'm a little behind you all. So listen for what I've just said here and uh, see if you can pick it up. Are you ready? Presenting Daniel Jodos and Michael Riles as state attorney officials investigate the pair for multiple charges, including racketeering. Mr. Riles and Mr. Jodos have not committed any crimes. But the state attorney's office is charging the pair with racketeering, scheme to defraud, theft of trade secret, and offense against intellectual property. The pair's attorney says there's no evidence the agent stole trade secrets as both transitioned from Boss Hart Realty to Colliers International. Despite that, to this day, we have not been shown any particular documents that the allegation of a trade secret theft is based on, or if we have seen it, it hasn't been identified that way. Mm -hmm. So we are still somewhat in the dark. The pair have filed a civil complaint against Boss Hart, known with the company, responded to our request for comment. The state attorney charges stem from a Gainesville police investigation starting in October 2018. You know, it's a long investigation. A GPD SWAT team raided Colliers International last year, naming Drodos and Riles as the two responsible for stealing trade secrets in early 2019. The investigation time period ends in June of 2020. Many uh, eyes have looked at the information and these are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. 
So while they're saying, you know, right, it's still innocent to proven guilty, but that's why you have the investigation, that's why you have the prosecution, and we'll look forward to uh, reviewing everything and moving forward. The next hearing for the pair's civil complaint against Boss Hart is coming up in about two weeks on the 17th. Reporting in Gainesville, Ruel Flood. Okay, uh, if you were listening there, you may have been able to pick up what I was asked to comment on by uh, members of the community research team who sent me, and I'll repeat one more time, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Chief investigator said some things that don't make much sense. Many eyes have looked at the information, and these are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. So while they're saying it's still innocent until proven guilty, but that's why you have the investigation, said Lloyd. That's why you have the prosecution, and we'll look forward to reviewing everything and moving forward. Makes no sense whatsoever. Right back on the Ward Scott Files after we take a short break. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. You're going to search your belongings. Much now. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell, wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like. All right, I'm just looking at some comments here. Uh, one of uh, our viewers says, need to hear it one more time, but if he said we're investigating, um, he said, um, that's not what he said. Let me read one more time from Michael Lucas. Uh, um, Many eyes have looked at the information. These are allegations that we've proven in the court of law. So while they're saying it's still innocent until proven guilty, but that's why you have the investigation. That's why you have the prosecution. 
And we'll look forward to reviewing everything and moving forward. So, Michael, there's nothing in there that uh, it says that we're investigating. There we go. We put it up just now. You can take a look at it yourself. Uh, and uh, let me just check and see if that's that's okay. There it is. You can take a look and see the language uh, that is clipped out of the uh, the uh, visual presentation. Hopefully, that's helpful. And if you can if you can straighten it out for me, Michael, uh, be my guest. If you can uh, clean up the version there and paraphrase or whatever, uh, rewrite it. it. You'd have to rewrite it, Michael. Um, so we'll see. Um, um, there, there, there you are, my friend. Uh, a little bit of it. Once again, um, we have to do this. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. But I was just exchanging information before we went on the air with yet another person who has come down with the COVID and has been vaccinated but not boosted. And uh, then I asked, well, uh, I, had to, I asked my good friend, uh, were you boosted? And he said, no, but we have friends who have been boosted and they got this and that. And so add that to the whole conversation. But uh, this has just come out. And I think this kind of expresses where we are as a community of people in the world who are uh, COVID fatigued. And um, Daniel Henniger has taken a look at this and I think he's right on here. He says uh, in, that, that the pandemic, it, it, it has to end um, officially. And that is, uh, it's been so politicized and it's been so, uh, led to so much diversity in the good sense of the word, bifurcation, uh, 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 through politicalization, public policy stated by the United States government in the mouth of Biden, uh, that uh, Henry advocates that Biden needs to declare publicly that the uh, panic part of COVID is over. Um, and uh, we, we need to stop dominating our lives by mass tests or vaccines because it's pretty clear that this virus and its mutations are going to circulate indefinitely. And if you continue to live, you know, um, Napoleon was asked one time what you can do with bayonets. And Napoleon responded, sir, you can do anything with bayonets, but sit on them. And that's where we are. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Napoleon, what can you do with bayonets? His reply, sir, you can do anything with bayonets you want to, but sit on them. And so we need to really stop uh, 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 this whole conversation dominated by mass tests or vaccines. Look, we've got enough data now to know that the vaccines definitely uh, affected. Uh, one of the worst parts of all this was the hospital system's ability to handle the caseload. Uh, there is no question but what the caseload of, of the hospital, and this data is there. Now, bear in mind, I got a comment from somebody who was on the inside of the codes that build for COVID who contends that quite often that hospitals would do exactly what I uh, was informed they would do. And that is if they could and a person died of something other than COVID, but had the COVID, uh, then they would go ahead and say he died of the COVID because that would ensure payment to the hospital. 
So nevertheless, the virus's lethality uh, and its uh, 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 effect on that by vaccines is, is, is obviously uh, diminished the hospital load, which was a big issue. Uh, it's always going to be transmissible, evidently, and, but the hospital admissions and case numbers are falling. That data really is pretty clear. And um, probably um, the, the, the remaining issue is the, uh, uh, is the sociological issue, what Henninger calls the sociological issue of are you vaccinated or not? That's really not a scientific issue. It's a sociological issue. And therefore, it should be uh, uh, irrelevant to the political position is uh, what Henninger says here that the government takes. If you wanna work out the sociology of this among yourselves, uh, that's okay, but we're not as a government going to do anything to induce the panic. Um, the, the obvious thing, the obvious status quo is that the virus is in our heads. All The virus, COVID virus is living in our heads rent-free all the time. Um, it, it's just, I, I, was, I was in, Walmart, I went into Walmart yesterday. I very rarely go in there. It's really a treat to go in there and observe masks and no masks. And, and this, I, you know, went somewhere else, um, um, you know, to another place the other day and observed masks and no masks. And, and um, so it is in the heads of every single nook and cranny of our families, our schools, our work, our travel. It's in White House briefings. It's in lawsuits. It's in media coverage. And what it's done, it has created a constant state of anxiety in our, in our culture. Uh, and here are some of the thick things that have been affected by this anxiety. And we talked about this. Number one effect, probably the most serious effect, is the damage to the school systems in many cities and towns. Um, Essentially, as we've talked about, you've got children who have not been anywhere in formal education for at least two years. Um, they've been not, they've been, they haven't been socialized. They haven't learned some of the basic uh, things that would have occurred in those two years. Uh, and we don't really know the long range effects of that. Um, it's every bit as important and per perhaps more important than the long range effects of COVID. Uh, 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 as, a, as a disease on the body. This is a, 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 a cultural kind of aspect of the disease. Um, we have now got a situation where teachers are abandoning schools. Um, they don't want to be involved in teaching. Uh, right now, you could pretty much just hire a warm body off the street and put them in the classroom. That's how desperate it is, I've been told. So there's been this uh, a lot of COVID panic and, um, and, and, and it's difficult to live, as I say, sitting on bayonets. Um, the, so we have this non-medical damage to the country that perhaps when, and remember, I always suggest to you that it will take years to sort out some of the issues here and find the real truth about uh, a number of things that we talk about on the show. But the non-medical damage to the country right now probably is greater than the damage the virus of, has done itself. Um, so um, 
you know, the whole question of uh, the, the, the person with whom I was exchanging comments before the show uh, felt bad. So got tested. The test came back negative. Still felt bad. Got tested again. The test came back positive. So the whole reliability of the tests themselves is now being questioned. Um, uh, what do you do if you don't feel well? Will you go get the test? Well, how the test says one thing one day and another thing the next day. Uh, is it, is it matter negative or positive? Does it matter if it's a rapid test? Does it matter when? what's the ideal time to test yourself? How long do you wait before you retest yourself? Um, this is uh, all one of the damaging uh, extensions, what we call non-medical damage to the country of the virus. Of course, uh, we have got the social impacts of this where uh, um, you see it, uh, fights on airplanes, fights in uh, stores, fights among friendships, um, fights in a family as to whether to mask or not to mask, um, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. Um, this has all split up a lot of our culture and has already split up. Um, so it's, uh, it's created a disorientation in normal life. Um, and uh, some people have better coping strategies than others. Um, you just have to sort of, uh, you know, realize that you're, and this it, it doesn't have to do with COVID. Uh, I, I don't know how many people realize that medically, uh, you're always uh, uh, on thin ice. Uh, car wrecks, uh, uh, odd things, genetic time bombs ticking in you that you don't know about. Uh, the ubiquitous cancer, uh, all of these things are there uh, waiting to jump out on you, if you will, as a friend of mine said. Uh, so what can the president do about this now? You know, we talked the other day about how warp speed did not get the full due and credit it should have gotten. It was absolutely essential and Trump did it and it worked. Now, Biden needs to ramp down uh, emphasis on COVID, according to the opinions of many, and particularly in this case, Daniel Henniger, uh, who is a no lightweight intellectual. Um, yeah, it's probably time that we learn that we're going to live with it, uh, and we're just going to have to take our chances, just as we do when we get in automobiles. Um, whether or not the virus will mutate or dissipate and all that, only time is going to tell. But I do believe that we've seen enough evidence that MNRA is here to stay as a technique and is going to be used, used much more uh, frequently and broadly than it was used just for this particular case. Um, um, so Biden, of course, is famous for putting his hoof in his mouth uh, when he first got in the uh, office there, said he was going to shut down the virus. Uh, but, you know. Now, since he has not been able to shut down the virus, he's been he's been shifting the blame. He's, he particularly wants to single out uh, DeSantis in the state of Florida, whom he can't stand. He would like to take the monoclonal uh, 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 procedures off the off the off the table. Um, and and his meanwhile, his approval ratings are tanking. He hasn't seemed to figure out yet that a lot of this has to do with the negativity he keeps creating in our culture, be it uh, looking at uh, identity politics or be it looking at a botched foreign policy or just, you know, a, a series of 
stumbling words, much like the one we just saw a moment ago from Derry Lloyd. So um, there you are. Uh, that is my COVID update today, the consensus of opinion. I think people have already done that. I was in a place the other day where nobody had a mask on. Uh, if, if you've got the problem, uh, well, you know, it's like everything else. Hopefully you'll be able to deal with it if you get it. And uh, yours truly is right there in the middle of it all, just like you are. So um, the other thing I really need to alert you to, uh, by the way, the groundhog yesterday saw a shadow. So they're going to have um, they're going to have quite a bit of uh, cold weather, evidently, if you take that uh, mythological way of, uh, of looking at the weather up north. There's still they still got about six weeks of winter left. Uh, You know, the obvious thing about the the uh, woke culture um, is uh, out in the, in the world of Spotify and, uh, you know, right, this, this Joe Rogan guy and all that. But there's a much more insidious level of the woke culture's impact that people don't really hear about or know about. And it has to do with the American economy. And let's I want to talk with you a little bit about American economy. Uh, I want to enlist the aid of, aid of Tim Stewart and Kathleen uh, Gama, who have written about it and studied it. And I've been studying some other sources about it. But there's something going on here. And I, I had a lunch with a banker yesterday and talked about it um, because everybody has to figure out how to protect his, the value of his assets, in particular money. Uh, I think here locally, and I don't know where it is, where you are, um, the... Uh, Gas, I saw 345, 355 a gallon. Uh, that is, has a tremendous impact on uh, not just your heating bill, but the, the guy who comes in a truck to, to fix your whatever has to use gas, has to pass that along to you. So it just, trip, it just ripples throughout the economy. And there's a hidden kind of pressure that's going on right now that probably you're not aware of. Maybe you are. It uh, has to do... Uh, with the way in which the uh, Federal Reserve acts. Uh, it's walking a financial tightrope right now. If it raises interest rates too little, inflation will get worse. And if you raise the interest rates too much, the economy crashes. So um, meanwhile, Biden is allowing the climate changers to influence, and we've covered this before, the mission of the Federal Reserve. The mission of the Federal Reserve is explicitly uh, outlined by Congress as non-political, okay? The Federal Reserve is about good monetary policy, and it's not about politicizing. Yet, Biden has presented, has nominated Sarah Bloom Raskin, who she is a former Obama financial regulator. He has nominated her to serve as the Fed's new vice chairman for supervision of the Federal Reserve. Uh, the background on her is amazing. And this is where I'm talking about the hidden woke culture. Uh, you know, never mind the one out there now that has canceled some of our shows and this and that one. Let's go down to the nitty gritty where it really, really affects everyone. And that is this history this Sarah Bloom Raskin has of a vendetta against U.S. energy producers. 
Uh, she has advocated penalizing banks that serve fossil fuel companies. She's also urged the Fed to use its risk-based capital standards to drive capital away from oil and natural gas toward, you got it, sustainable investments, whatever in the world those are. You'd have to pencil it in, uh, wind, solar, all that sort of business that is not gonna be adequate to supply the energy of a culture that's booming with population increases. She's even gone so far as to suggest that the Fed should debank energy companies by establishing a portfolio that concentrates uh, uh, limitations for banks uh, that uh, uh, lend to oil and natural gas companies or anything like that. Um, and her opinion, her personal opinion, of course, she's one of the climate changers, uh, oil, fossil fuel, all that, and we have our own version of that, pea green underhand, spearheaded the biomass boondoggle here that really should be turned into a big brewery, according to Hungarian Joe. Um, it's a dying industry, uh, the fossil fuel energy sources, uh, that uh, because they are affect the climate negatively, uh, risk the economy. Um, but never mind, there is not currently any renewable energy that could for feasibly replace oil and natural gas. Oil and natural gas, you take a look. I looked yesterday at the cars riding up and down the interstate. I took a look at the thermostats that are no doubt uh, working overtime here just in our climate because of our cold snap and tried to calculate what the increase will be in the monthly uh, bill for that. Um, and, you know, I, short of going outside and living in a tent, and building a fire, which they don't want you to build because the smoke damage to the climate. Um, they really want to do away with barbecue pits, all that stuff. Um, even if you could feasibly replace the oil and natural gas, and oil and natural gas produces about 70% of our nation's energy, uh, according to uh, the authors of this analysis. Um, the, you know, the, the American cost of living, if you punished of uh, those uh, sources of energy would be in drive up on top of inflation like you would. I think it's going to happen. I swear to God, I think given the way in which these politicians uh, try to deal with finances, uh, you just have to conclude that they're going to screw it up. Uh, uh, U.S. oil and natural. And they, hey, listen, Biden closed down the, 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 the pipeline. Uh, first thing he did was close it down. Uh, that sent a bad uh, economic signal and, of course, psychological signal that he was at war with oil and gas. Uh, uh, we could, the oil and gas contributes about 8% of the gross national product, employs more than 10 million Americans. Uh, you know, and right away, put them out of work. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, so on top of all that. And you wouldn't know this unless you're paying attention. And that's my point of this conversation. He nominates this Raskin woman um, who really should be over there working on some environmental committee. She has no business being involved uh, in, in this particular analysis of, of uh, being with the Federal Reserve because she's going to politicize it as she's politicized everything she's touched. Now, if you want to see a case of where that's happened, take a look at the city of Gainesville. 
Uh, their finances are in such miserable shape. And why are they in miserable shape? Because they has been politicized. The source of power has been ideologically changed to fit uh, a, a particular a theory rather than actually sustain itself according to wise financial uh, 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 numbers. So uh, th this, is, this is something not just going on. Of course, Gainesville always gets its clue from the national uh, uh, nutcases. So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see what happens on this. Um, uh, it's just going to contribute just more financial burden to everybody's life. Um, and we've got enough of that going on right now. Uh, we've got a $30 trillion debt. I'm going to close out with that. I've got about four minutes left. Um, about $6 trillion of that is owed to Social Security recipients. And the thinking is that they've been robbing that already uh, for years. And, you know, that they tax you on your Social Security, but you were taxed twice. It's double taxation. You were taxed when you made the money, a part of which was sent to Social Security, which they immediately spent and, uh, um, and, and then borrowed from and owed. And um, that ticking time bomb is out there. So um, there's no guarantee that future politicians will can't refuse to, to honor that. Um, much of our debt uh, is held by the Japanese or the Chinese. I think it's one of the real ironies in life that we fought, my father's generation fought like crazy to, to, uh, to, to um, free, you know, free the whole Pacific theater and, and push back the Japanese takeover. And I'll be darned if the Japanese haven't come back and taken over. They own Hawaii. Uh, it's all Japanese. Um, they own, along with the Chinese, most of our debt. Um, they uh, keep lending money to us. Uh, which we keep spending on our instant gratification needs. And the Japanese and the Chinese assume, I guess, they'll be repaid. But uh, for us, particularly in terms of the value of our money, the real issue is the interest on all that debt. Um, one percentage point increase uh, in rates adds $100 billion a year to the debt. Um, I got to tell you, friends, uh, that's really the, the lesson for today in uh, Professor Warthog's advanced composition class. Um, that's um, conversation is for those of you out there who are pretty sophisticated uh, with uh, your uh, understanding of where your taxes go or don't go and what might be uh, the way you need to start manipulating or altering your estate planning. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.